Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Spartan Combat. They're hosting a national tournament May 20th in Jacksonville, Florida. They have, in my opinion, one of the only tournaments that has every style you could wrestle. Dual team format, individual tournament, beach, Greco, freestyle, folk style. Check it out and register now at SpartanCombat.com. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. In this episode, I'm going solo, breaking down the NCAA tournament. I watched damn near every match this past weekend. Loved every second of it and wanted to uh, kind of share my thoughts in the tournament with you folks here. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next episode with our regularly scheduled programming. Before we do, fan of the week time, and it goes to... This one goes to my man Josh at 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Chicago. 10th Planet is a no-gi Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school started by the great Eddie Bravo. Check out... 10th Planet Chicago underscore on the gram if you're in the Chicagoland area and want some BJJ in your life. That's it, folks. Let's get to the episode where we break down the NCAA tournament from 2021. Okay, folks, we're here. We're ready. Let's break down the 2021 NCAA tournament. As I mentioned in the intro, I watched damn near every match. It was a lot of fun. There's no way I'll be able to get to everything here, but I wanted to spend 20, 30 minutes going through each bracket and just breaking down some of my favorite moments because there were a lot of them. Let's start at 125. Spencer Lee winning with no ACLs. I had actually heard rumors early in the week that maybe there was some ACL damage, but after watching him on Thursday, I thought, no way. And then Friday... You know, he started to, uh, he was still dominating and winning, but not the typical Spencer Lee style. And so thought maybe there was some truth to it. And lo and behold, he did have some ACL damage. I can't wait to see what happens for the Olympic trials. Obviously, most people would think Spencer's not going to be wrestling at the Olympic trials in two weeks. But if he is, God, if he could pull off making the Olympic team with no ACLs, how amazing would that be? Um... I mean, man, that's such a tough weight. We'll get to the Olympic trials in a subsequent episode, but my biggest concern after watching 125 was how in the hell is Spencer going to wrestle at the trials in Texas with no ACLs? 
Um, a couple other standouts from that weight class. Hildebrandt's little brother, Drew Hildebrandt from Central Michigan. I thought he looked great coming through and finishing fourth. Sarah Hildebrandt's one of my favorite interviews all time. Sorry about that, guys. And uh, and so I wanted to see how he was going to do. I also love the Central Michigan program. Another one that jumped out was McKee from Minnesota. Patrick McKee dropped a second-round bout and came all the way back for third. I love when, when guys do that and can really put together some matches on the backside. Okay, 125 is in the books. 133, this one had fireworks. I don't know if I've ever felt the level of excitement I feel for a match than I did before DeSanto and Fix in the semis. It didn't necessarily live up to the hype in terms of off-the-mats, uh, extracurriculars, as I say, but it was a great match. Fix got it done. And then in the finals, RBY came through an OT. I did not see this coming. Huge fan of RBY, but I definitely thought Fix was just on top of his game that weekend. He was pinning people. He was looking huge. I, I took one look at him and thought, how in the hell is he going to make 57 kgs? Obviously, he'll need to do that over the next two weeks. But, man, what a fun weight class. RBY is just so much fun to watch. He's got such a uh, – he just seems like a free spirit, and everyone says it about Penn State. They probably hate it, but it's true. I mean, he just looks like he's out there having fun, and it really came through. Fix, I was a little surprised not to see more action in the finals, but, again, he he's one of the best we have. Um, you know, only he could tell you what happened in that match. But, you know, he's going to be – one of the greats of all time, we all know that. And honestly, Dayton Fix is probably the favorite to make the Olympic team. Well, I shouldn't say favorite, but I mean, before the Nationals, he was looking really good. Now going into the trials with a heartbreaking loss on his mind, I got to think Thomas Gilman might be the favorite now. Either way, it's too tough to predict that weight class at the trials. Excited to see what happens, though. RBY is now qualified, and so we'll see if he wants to cut down to 57 kg as well couple other observations at 133 my man Lucas Bird from the Fighting Illini a freshman battling for fifth the Fighting Illini actually put two on the podium this year keeping their streak they have some ridiculous like 24 year streak where Illinois had an All-American every year one of the longest streaks in college wrestling so Lucas Bird got it done uh, Dylan Duncan also got it done for the Fighting Illini at 141 which is where we'll move next this, to me, was the deepest weight in the tournament. I know uh, Coach K, Peter Peter Kowalczyk, saying heavyweight is. I got to put my money on 141. Nick Lee just does what he does, man. He is a goer. He could easily be in the running to win uh, the Hodge just based on the strength of his weight class. The match against Seabass in the semis, Nick gave up an early takedown, but then, again, did what he does, battled back, Really controlled periods two and three, in my opinion. And then in the finals against Ironman, you know, Ironman's one of those guys, live by the sword, die by the sword. His Big Ten win over Nick Lee was awesome. I mean, that lake trip he hit was pretty sweet, but I left that match not feeling like we knew who the clear winner was. I thought that Nick Lee was so close so many times that, you know, if and when they met at the Nationals, it could go Nick, Nick Lee's way, and it did. I just think... You know, if you're Ironman, you got, who am I to say, but I'd like to see a little bit more traditional offensive takedowns, leg attacks, uh, some of your go-tos versus waiting for for the other guy. But 
I mean, I, I'm a huge Jaden Ironman fan, and what the hell do I know when it comes to high level wrestling compared to compared to these guys? I really love this weight class, though. It was so much fun. Tariq Wilson at uh, in the wrestlebacks, excuse me, at, for third and fourth beat Seabass fifteen to five, which was a little bit surprising just knowing how solid Seabass is. But man, NC State they had a great tournament. Tariq Wilson took third at one forty one. And then, as we mentioned, Dylan Duncan from the Fighting Illini taking fifth. Great to see the boys from the land of Lincoln on the board. 141, again, probably my favorite weight class of the tournament. Just amazing to see Nick Lee just continue to battle. He's just relentless out there. It looks like a little Zane Rutherford. Okay, 149, the site or the source of two extremely controversial matches the first taking place, I believe this was Thursday night or Friday morning. I can't remember. Bula Wallen, Heil from Campbell. One of the most bizarre situations I've ever seen on a wrestling mat. Um, now, as I'm saying this, my memory's a little foggy, but I believe it was overtime. I know it was overtime, but maybe a second or third overtime. Heil from Campbell is leading by a point with seven seconds left. The match starts. They wrestle seven seconds. It looks like about six seconds at least. They go out of bounds, leaving what most thought was one second left on the clock. But come to find out, the scores table never started the clock. And so that six seconds was never ran off. They re-wrestled the final seven seconds. Boo gets a takedown, wins, and it's pandemonium afterwards. I still can't. Um, I still can't believe that they didn't run some time off the clock after reviewing um, the first run, the first non-runoff, I should say. And as I'm describing this now, I'm probably confusing most of you. But um, if you just search online, Boo Wallen and Heil from Campbell, just that exchange and, and what happened there was, was hard to comprehend that it wasn't rectified on the mat. Regardless, the tournament went on. We had some really good wrestleback matches, and one of my favorite blood blood round matches was Abbas versus Max Murin. Um, I believe it's Jaden Abbas from Stanford, the son of the great Jerry Abbas, four-time finalist, uh, three or four-time finalist from Fresno State. Abbas got the better of him. Abbas lost both matches to Yaya Thomas from Northwestern, who was a ridiculously low seed and came, uh, came all the way through and got himself on the podium. And then when we get to the finals, we had the great Sammy Sasso, who was looking good throughout the tournament, hit a nasty cradle in the semis. He had Austin O'Connor, Illinois boy, in the finals, and this one came down to the wire, as did O'Connor's semifinal match against Mahler from Missouri. So in the finals, it's coming down to the wire, it looks like Sasso gets a takedown, has his his right hand on O'Connor's leg. It looks like he has both legs, and they called it no takedown. Austin O'Connor gets the W. Now, being an Illinois guy, I wasn't that upset with the call, but if you're Ohio State, this looks very similar to, to another exchange that happened in the past with Logan Stever um, and J.O., 
But man, I do feel after rewatching it that Sasso probably had to there. It pains me to say it, but you just never know. Not taking anything away from the North Carolina guys. I love what they're doing out there. Coleman Scott, Tony Ramos, um, Austin O'Connor, Jameel Kelly. I mean, those guys are, are awesome. Really, really glad to see Austin O'Connor get the W representing the Tenley Park Bulldogs and all of Illinois. That was a fun weight class. Also, props to Fresno State for getting an All-American on the board at this weight class as well. Okay, 157. This is Heartbreak Hotel. Two studs. Um, Ryan Deacon, Trent Hydley did not make it to the finals. Deacon was actually almost upset in the quarters against uh, the South Dakota State wrestler, um, Franiken, I believe. And as I'm saying it, it may be North Dakota State. Details, folks, I'm not a super detailed guy. You know that. I'm more high level. Regardless, Deacon was pushed to the brink in the quarters uh, against the eighth seed. Barely won that one. Um, hit a takedown with literally like five seconds left. It was awesome to watch. And then in the semis, loses to... Um, Loses to Delvecchio from Ryder, the number four seed. He was pinned and pinned for a couple seconds before the ref actually called it. Was surprising to see Deacon get beat. He did battle back for a third, which you always tip your hat to a guy like that. I hope he comes back next year. I also think Deacon's going to be awesome to watch on the freestyle circuit for many years to come. In the other semifinal, you had the young Carr against Headlay. Carr got the job done. And really looked good in the finals. His celebration with Metcalf was absolutely epic. If you haven't watched it, go to Twitter, go to Instagram, find a clip of David Carr's celebration with Brent Metcalf. Um, I was surprised to see Headley and the Wrestlebacks just couldn't bring it back together. Finished, uh, I believe it was fifth or sixth. I mean, I'm a huge fan of these guys. I still will never forget the, uh, when I say these guys, the Headley brothers. I'll never forget his semifinal with Jason Knopf two years ago. I still think maybe he won that match or or, or could have been a different call. Um, really hope to see Headley come back next year as well. And yeah, that's it for 157. 165, I'm an Iowa fan. Everyone knows that. But as I've started doing the podcast, I've become more neutral. I have a lot of programs I love and follow. But I was still hoping Marinelli would get it done. His loss in the quarters, that one hurt. That one hurt deep, but what came out of that was Shane Griffith from Stanford putting on a show for the wrestling fans and pretty much giving a big F you to the Stanford athletic director and Stanford administration. For those of you living under a rock, Griffith from Stanford went all the way to the finals, gets it done, wins the weight class wearing an all-black singlet as a moment of solidarity to represent uh, all the Stanford wrestlers who have come before and for all the wrestlers who are going to be kicked off of a Stanford wrestling team since they're dropping their program. So that was just an awesome moment, probably the highlight of the tournament. A couple other highlights from this weight class for me. Uh, not necessarily a highlight, but Valencia, Anthony Valencia, Valencia, he got hurt in the quarterfinals, and he defaulted to uh, to 8th, I believe. So I was bummed to see that. I was hoping to see uh, Valencia really uh, wrestle in some of those later rounds. Keegan O'Toole, this guy is like the Yanni or two or three years ago. Everyone 
loves his style, just the way he approaches the match. He's always looking to score. He's always just so technically sound. Huge Keegan O'Toole fan. Can't wait to watch him in the future. O'Toole dropped his uh, semifinal or quarterfinal match to Wenzel from Pitt, who went on to the finals. But he came all the way back for third. Also, shout out to Oklahoma State. Their wrestler, Whitlick, the 10 seed, Travis Whitlick, finished all the way in fourth place. So, really good performance by him. Um, Baby Amin also getting on the podium. This weight was a lot of fun, a lot of good action. 174, I mean, I can't believe Carter Storaki got it done against Kemmerer. After watching that match at the Big Tens, I would have never predicted that Storaki or Storaci would get Kemmerer. I mean, no doubt in my mind that Storaci was going to be a multiple-time champ and one of the greats, but to get it done as a freshman against the great Michael Kemmerer, Wow. Didn't expect it. Sirachi now has a chance to be the first five-time national champ of all time. Props to Cal Poly's Truax at this weight class. He was the 12th seed. Beat Logan Massa two times. And that's always a tall order. Massa still finished as an All-American. But I did want to give some props to Cal Poly. Just because, you know, those California schools, they're fighting to stay alive out there. And anytime they make a run and get on the podium, it deserves uh, it deserves some notification, to say the least. At 184, we had some freshmen shaking things up in the uh, quarters and semis. UNI's Kekessin, he had a huge upset. Uh, not even an upset, excuse me, I'm thinking of Poznaski from Rutgers, also a freshman. He had a huge upset over Lou Dupre in the quarters. Dupre was the three seed. Um, then Poznaski went on to lose to Trent Headley. Um, but Kekessin, he had a great match over Bolin from Virginia Tech in the semis. That was a lot of fun to watch. Really excited to watching some of those younger guys at 184. And then Aaron Brooks, what can you say about him? I feel like Penn State just dominates some of these upper weights. I haven't seen Aaron Brooks challenged in maybe any college match I've seen him in this year. He's going to be a staple for many years to come. 197, AJ Ferrari. I'm totally on the bandwagon. Love this guy. Love the energy and the fun he has out there. He's another guy who I didn't really see him challenge throughout this tournament. He took out Warner in the quarters, Amin in the semis, which, man, the age difference there is substantial. Ferrari didn't flinch, went right through him. Um, and then Bonacorsi in the finals also putting himself in a position to be the first five-time national champ ever. And then, uh, you know, Ferrari's post-match interviews are, are something of legend. Uh, we might need to make a t-shirt out of the 665-pound deadlift comment. If you haven't seen any of those, just Google AJ Ferrari post-match interview. He's absolutely legendary. Um, was At this weight, was surprising to see number one seed uh, Schultz, or excuse me, the number two, yeah, number one, no, number two seed Schultz from Nebraska go down. Um, in the first round via Penn, he was unable to battle back. Penn State's Beard got on the podium, uh, and that was huge for Penn State's you know team performance. He was not predicted to do so, but man, this weight was stolen by the great A.J. Ferrari. Can't wait to see what he does down the road. Somehow he got a picture with uh, Jorge Masvidal in between sessions. I mean, this guy was just on fire last week. And then we'll jump to heavyweight before we talk about the team standings. 
I mean, Gable Stevenson, people call me crazy. I think he's going to win the Olympic gold medal. That's coming directly from Mike Powell, who I stole that from. Uh, and that's no disrespect to the great Gwiz. Gwiz could easily get it done, um, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. But God damn, Gable Stevenson is just... Never seen a man move like that. And, and the chip on his shoulder and the attitude he has, he's just a scary dude. I don't think anyone wants to wrestle him. Mason Paris is unreal and just... You know, to me, it looks like Gable's a step above right now. A huge fan of Mason Paris. But this weight in general is extremely deep. You have Kirk Levitt. You have great Tony Cass from Iowa, Tony Cassiope. And so, I mean, this one was stolen by Gable Stevenson. But, man, I, I just don't know what to what to say. I haven't seen him really challenge in a long time. Can't wait to watch Gable at the Olympic trials. Quick Recap of the team standings. The top eight went Iowa, Penn State, Okie State, Arizona State. Those four took home trophies. And then fifth through eight, we had Michigan, North Carolina State, Minnesota, Missouri. As I'm reading this list, folks, I'm realizing now that I've never had someone from Arizona State or Missouri on the podcast for that matter. So I actually reached out to a couple coaches today from those schools. Hope to get them on soon. You know, the Big Ten did what they did. They have some teams in the top eight. I love North Carolina State. I'm a massive fan of Coach Papalizio. It was great to see those guys up there. Virginia Tech was hanging in the top five, top six for a lot of the tournament. Um, Ohio State finished just outside the top eight. I got to say, I'm really surprised by Minnesota's performance. They stepped up um, and really came through, had some guys. They're just, Minnesota's one of those teams where, they have guys that just battle through the wrestlebacks and just keep winning and keep winning those tight decisions. So McKee is one that comes to mind. Um, Brayton Lee is another one that comes to mind. So props to Minnesota for uh, for doing what they do. I mean, this was a great a great tournament, a great season. It was not the same without the fans there. It was not the same without the depth of schedule that the guys would have had. But it was fun because the seeds were a little bit all over the place because. You know, a lot of guys didn't have that many matches, so it was fun to see. Uh, fun to see this shortened season come to a conclusion. I will say the best part of it is that everyone gets to come back next year. So Iowa, I know everyone except everyone except Kemmerer, I think, has announced they're coming back. DeSanto, Marinelli, um, trying to think of a few others that all have announced they're coming back for Iowa. I mean, Penn State. We know they're bringing everyone back, but my God, they were all freshmen and sophomores. They're going to be terrifying in the years to come. Uh, next year, the Iowa-Penn State duel is going to be on fire. I can't wait to see those two teams at full strength going at it. Um, I also can't wait to see A.J. Ferrari and Carver Hawkeye for the first time. That's going to be a thing of beauty. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that as this season came to a close, I definitely got the post-Nationals blues that we all get every year. But it was also... You know, just equally excited for next year and what's to come. And in the near term, excited to see the guys who wrestled at the NCAAs wrestle at the Olympic trials. I mean, that is going to be just stupid deep. I know we say it every four years, but man, I just can't imagine a deeper year at the Olympic trials than this year. Um, from the NCAAs competing at the Olympic trials, we think we'll see Fix. Um, we think we'll see, obviously, Gable Stevenson. Um, Deacon might be in the mix. Nick Lee might be in the mix. 
you know, Amin is already qualified, but that's not for the U.S. Um, there's going to be some other guys competing who I didn't mention who are also probably going to qualify through the through the last chance. But man, the Olympic trials are coming up in just two weeks. I cannot wait. This is my personal favorite wrestling tournament of all time. Went for the first time in 04 and have followed it closely since. I'll actually be at the Olympic trials in Texas, so I'll be providing updates. Kendall Cross and I are going to do an interview on the Thursday before the trials, breaking down each weight class. And so I can't wait. Appreciate y'all bearing with me. I know we didn't release an episode on Monday of this week per usual, but I was just trying to catch up after watching uh, wrestling all weekend and, and dealing with some personal issues. So we're good. We're back on track. Enjoy this episode, folks. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back later this week with regularly scheduled programming. Until next time, peace. That's it for this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. As always, thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Combat. They're hosting a national tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, May 20th through the 23rd. You can register now at SpartanCombat.com. To watch the video interview of this episode, go to Wrestling Changed My Life on YouTube. You can also see the clips on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestling Changed My Life. That's it, folks. We'll see you next time.